conversation. I have to rein in that bell hooksian urge to kill motherfuckers who say stupid shit to me all day. All day. Bitter branches of things I cannot say out loud sprout deviant from my neck. Fuck you, you fucking racist, sexist turd. Fuck you for crying about homophobia while you exploit the desperation of undocumented immigrants to clean your hallways, bathe your children, cook your dinner for less than you and I spend on a tax-deductible lunch. I want to scream out loud, all oppression is connected, you dick. And that's what I'm talking about. We are so excited um, to have Stacey Anchin here in just two more weeks yes, yes. <laughs> i mean that's going to be um incredible for a couple of reasons one she's going to be in our um the guest for our second sunday brunch so we're going to not only hear her but you can see her if you are one of our sunday brunch patrons exactly and you know how you can do that <laughs> just go to patreon.com your gay aunties is only $10 a month and you get to not just um, hear us, but also see us with our wonderful guests. Um, and you get to get the show just three days before or three days before everyone else. So that's what you get with all the love um, from us. And so a couple more weeks, it's going to be Stacey Ann Chim. And if you want to ask Stacey Ann um, <laughs> something about your life, you know, you need some advice about love <laughs> life and the complicated situations that y'all youngins be in. Yes. In your oldens. <laughs> the drama don't stop with us right um holla at us by october 26th that's a saturday that's the day before we record mm -hmm. at your gay aunties at gmail.com or you can dm us at your gay aunties on instagram um with your questions or needing of advice all right yeah and with that we're gonna roll on in this bad boy, bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> i am hanifa walida and i am red summer and we are your Yes. <laughs> and we're going to jump right into it because, well, first of all, let me just, if just let me know, you guys might hear some commotion outside because I kind of forgot that today is Atlanta Pride. Mm. <laughs> and I happen to live in Midtown, so I it is literally outside of my window. Oh, wow. Okay. That's yeah. fun. Uh-huh. Yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, I went out there because we have a rooftop. So, you know, mm -hmm. there was a bunch of people in the building were out on the rooftop and, you know, watching it go by. So let me go out there and. Uh-oh. First I saw this colorful. I was like, oh, that's such a cute display. That's like, oh, that's MailChimp, the emailing service. Oh, okay. And the behind them, oh, what's a beautiful. Oh, that's Salesforce. Oh, oh, Xfinity. I was like, yeah. that's just a person like just. <laughs> You know what I mean? I was like one after another, each floor was some sort of commercial entity. Yeah. So I was like, I, I mentioned that in DC Pride. I was like, yo, like it's all big business right now. Business. The, the only small thing that I uh, unfortunately neglected to catch on camera because I did a total auntie thing where I thought I was video recording them, but it's not until I thought I stopped that I actually started. So. <laughs> pocket okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was some i think it was some hbcu boys that were coming down and they were doing it and they were marching with the band and they were making it happen i was like i said okay that's my pride parade i'm gonna go now because behind them 
is another commercial float. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. But with all that being said, you know, happy pride for everybody in Atlanta. Yay, yay, yay. Yay. Or have black folks say happy white pride. Hey. Yeah, I had a um, parade this weekend. You what? I had a parade this weekend. What parade? I went to my first Howard homecoming. (gasps) (laughs) Yes, I've been here five years, but (laughs) I'm only... um, I don't know. It's just weird going to a homecoming where, like, you don't know anybody. Uh, but my wife is a doctoral student at Howard this year. And so I went with her to her first HBCU homecoming. Uh, it was amazing. <laughs> you know, that is something I'm kind of like Beyonce in that way. Something I do wish I just knew to do at the age. Like, I don't know, New York, I just wasn't an HBCU mode. Actually, I wasn't in college mode at that age, if I were to be quite frank. But. <laughs> took me a minute but anyway but it's like that that experience is like if you were lucky enough to experience that you know to have that be at hbcu you know be your your alma mater like i being coming of age among other black folks that are focused in the way they're coming of age is just i think a gift absolutely you know so big up to hbcu folks out there okay okay but let's roll into um the show we're really excited about our guest yes we are yes we are okay um you know what we still bring her in um laren laren alta is here with your gay aunties hi gay aunties and family hi everybody You know, you are, you are, of course, official. We have mostly aunties on here as our guests. So you are an honorable auntie. Thank you. you know, Thank you. Yes, you know the deal. You know the deal. But we, we're so excited um, to finally have you on. You know, I understand that Lauren is um, a good friend of both me and Reds. Um, mm-hmm. We come from familiar communities. You know, we have you know, very, yeah, we come from community. Yeah. Um, so it made sense um, to have um, her um, on here to, to do the do. How you doing, Larry? I'm good. I'm so happy to be here. So happy to be with y'all. I love you both so much. And I'm honored to be in your community. Hey, um, do you call like nieces and nephews or, or kinfolk? I'm just happy to see all of them. I'm just happy to be here with all the kinfolk. <laughs> nice. We call we call them the children, but you know, a lot of but also a lot of our followers aren't children. They grown as hell. Right. <laughs> True, but you yeah. know, in our families, you know, your auntie and uncle might be three years older than you, but they still want to make sure that you know that you know your place. Okay. <laughs> I'm a whole 365 days older than you. I'm going to tell you right. about life. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> Facts. 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 So, you know, um, Lauren, one of the reasons why I um, I I really wanted you to come, um, I mean, there's many reasons to, to bring you on to this show, yeah. um, but I personally, um, I've been feeling overwhelmed about all that's going on, you know, and we've kind of had a little back and forth here and there on Facebook, just, you know, over, you know, just in these crazy times that we're in. And yeah, it's like, as um, I, I can't say that I, I personally identify as an empath, even though there are things that I know that I am hypersensitive to, mm-hmm. others aren't. That's like, okay, time out. I can't do anymore. Literally, it hurts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I don't think a lot of, uh, people understand exactly what an empath um, is in 
all of its strains or what have you. So maybe you can maybe just unpack that before we go forward so folks know where we're at. Yeah, for sure. So empaths, and I've seen it floating around a lot online, and I don't think a lot of people who even talk about what being an empath is even understand what it means sometimes. Yeah. So if, if we boil it down to the nuts and bolts, the brass tacks of it, basically an empath is someone who has a very heightened or very sensitive central nervous system. So they can feel things beyond their own experience. And, yeah. and not all empaths are the same. So you can be an emotional empath, meaning you can feel the emotions of other people outside of your own emotions. You can be a physical empath. You can feel other people's physical sensations, aches, pains, um, things that are happening in other people's bodies. You can feel other people's uh, energy, like you can be very impacted, energized or drained easily by other people's energy. Um, you can also be like an intuitive empath, meaning you, you kind of just have an intuition or an awareness of what is happening in other people's worlds, but that aren't in yours. And so people kind of feel often people feel overwhelmed, exhausted, like you said, overstimulated, because they may be taking on things that aren't theirs, because they don't have a healthy boundary, they don't have, they don't even know it, they're just kind of walking through the world like a psychic sponge, absorbing all of this that's going on. So for me, for example, I'm not an emotional empath at all. My emotions are very much my own, but I'm a physical empath and an energetic empath. And so for me, that can look like being exhausted, feeling uh, physically impacted. I'm very sensitive physically to my environments. I have to be very mindful of where I am. Physically, I can get overwhelmed in crowds. So we, y'all were talking about homecoming season. I'm a Spelman alum, HBCU. Spelman yeah. <laughs> Atlanta. Yes, yes, Atlanta. But I don't go to homecoming because it's too many people, right? It's mm. I get very overwhelmed, very exhausted. If I walk into that crowd, I can just feel, even if I do all of my grounding and protection work, and, and I don't really uh, do protection work as much as I'm, well, we can get into that later, but well, but... <laughs> But so that there are ways to shift it because I think a lot of people feel like if they're an empath, they have no power, they have no control. They're just like at the, the, the whim of their sensitivities. And it's not necessarily the case. There are things that you can do to still maintain your sensitivities without being exhausted by them. Oof. That, yeah, I'm exhausted <laughs> listening to your experience. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And well, you so, know, really quickly, I'm sorry. Yeah, how does that differ from, and I was listening to like the different forms of empath, mm-hmm. how does that um, differ from compassion? Mm. Oh, that's such a good question. It's such an important question. So empath- empathy and compassion are two different kind of like emotional functionalities, if we think about it that way. They're just like the way your emotions can operate. Mm-hmm. But compassion is where you would say, say if you're feeling sad because you lost, a, uh, I, I don't know, let's say you lost a, your favorite book. Mm-hmm. Compassion would be like, oh, I can, Im- that, that feels sad. I can hold you in the space and wis- witness your sadness, right? Mm-hmm. Empathy is like, I'm going to feel sad with you. I'm going to meet my energy where your energy is, no matter oh. where I am before. And so that's where it gets dangerous because if you don't learn how to hold your center and still be sensitive and aware of what's going on without meet, without kind of collapsing into someone else's experience. So, but if you don't know, if you kind of have like holes, so like if you have like an emotional 
if you're an emotional empath, for example, you may if you may be having a great day, best day of your life, things are going well, boop, 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 and you go on the train and you sit next to someone who's just lost their job and their dog died and their partner left them and you start feeling sad and you have right. no idea why you're feeling sad and you have absorbed their emotions and you may not even realize why. And so the, the practice of the work that I teach is the more that you fill up on yourself, the more that you take up your own internal space, the less room there will be for someone else's stuff to creep in on you. That That's a heavy lesson because it's almost like, it almost counteracts, like especially how girls are socialized. Yes, right? 100%. <laughs> yes. Like we are taught to like be completely selfless and like to, to fill up on service to other people mm -hmm. as opposed to filling up on ourselves. So like, how can you, how does somebody do that? So we, we have to start, go back a little bit because most people aren't necessarily born empaths. People are born sensitive, right? Mm -hmm. And people become empaths because of childhood trauma. Now this- okay, is I'm gonna stop right there. <laughs> and I just wanna interject and put in context because I've been holding a question that speaks to this as far as nature and nurture, mm. um, but but also, if I can just put this on top of her question, yeah, um, it, this our relationship with anxiety, especially in today, and how people I'm, I'm always curious is the act of anxiety or or pra not practicing anxiety, but experiencing anxiety, almost um, an offshoot um, of empathy or, or the practice of empathy, whether willingly or not. You know what I mean? Okay, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to jack, but it's like when you said that, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, that's a perfect question because it weaves into what the whole root, the origin of it. Because, mm -hmm. because so people can be born sensitive, right? All babies are sensitive. All babies have like an awareness of the world around them. But generally, empaths all have the same kind of origin story in the sense that most empaths grew up in an environment where their fundamental needs were not met. Now, that could be emotional needs, energetic needs, physical needs. It, it, it could be any need, right? And what they learned how to do from a very young age, because they, the, the environment they were in was not stable on one level or another, was feel, be hot, turn up their awareness to feel around so that they could figure out what was safe and what was not safe. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> like we are over here, like mouths open, like, oh, and, 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 and when you say as far as in the way that someone was nervous, not necessarily an abusive re, uh, uh, household um, or even neglectful, at least like willingly neglectful, not, so not abusive, but there was something Maybe um, I I'm speaking because I was a latchkey kid and the only child. So I was mostly alone mm -hmm. for a good chunk of my, life, mm -hmm. of my life. You know, in my mother's house, I was alone. And when you said that when you don't have as a child, you're feeling out and you're trying to make sense of the world. So you yes. have to bring up your hypersensitivity in yes. order to do that. Yes. But no one there to kind of guide you to how you can... Oh my God. Exactly. So it could be a range. It could be 
it could be from on one end, very volatile, abusive, neglectful. And on one hand, it could be like, I'm home alone. Like you said, I'm seven years old. I don't know what's going on. I've got to make sure that I protect myself and I'm aware of my environment all the time. So we start outsourcing our sensitivity and our awareness, right? So for one example, it could be uh, you come home and you don't know what mood your parent is going to be in, right? You don't know if they're going to be slinging, uh, you know, things around the room, if they're going to be ignoring you. And so you, to protect yourself, it comes out of the fight or flight, right? This is part of the brain is called the amygdala. So it comes out of your amygdala where you learn it's your fight or flight. So you turn like, how do I stay safe and protect myself? I don't know what version of my dad I'm going to get when I get home. I've got to be super aware because I don't want to get hit again today. Right? So then Mm -hmm. you start, sensing, okay, he's okay, he's safe, or he's not safe, or so that you start feeling. So this may be six, you have, now you're 36, you have 30 years of feeling out if the world is safe or not. You're a master, you are a champion. This is is a skill set that you have been developing your entire life out of fight or flight though. And so what I teach is the, that you as a, as a, so now you're highly sensitive. You're a hyper aware of your neighbor, your next door neighbor, the person sitting next to you on the train, everybody, you're just taking it all in because it's come out of survival. You learned how to do this to survive, to protect yourself, to take care of yourself. But what, but it's not safe. It's not actually healthy to have your adrenals, adrenals running all the time in fight or flight to mm-hmm. protect you. So what, what you have to do, because what happens is you start checking out from yourself, like seeing if you're actually okay, have what you actually need, because you're just focused on surviving, right? Your feelers are just outward. And so it can feel dangerous to start checking in, like, how do I actually feel? What do I actually need? What does it mean to take up all of my space and feel from the inside out as opposed from the outside in? It's interesting that you're saying that because like where I'm going mentally and even emotionally while you're discussing this is not home. I'm mm. going in the streets. Yes. Right? Yes. So when I left my house, like <laughs> that's when I felt the most like, that I needed to watch everything. Like growing, I grew up in Chicago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And it, it was a little before like the, the violent overtone that you see happening now, but it was like, as it was building. And I'm to the point now, people are always like, oh, when are you gonna go home? When are you gonna come visit? I'm I can't, I can't, I can't mm. physically be there because I am constantly scanning yes. everywhere that I am. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's it. I just can't. Survival mode. Yeah. It's survival mode. Right. Which doesn't, isn't, the brain needs to often, I mean, it thrives in states of being soothed. Right. And so as black folk, we've been in a perpetual state of fight or flight for centuries. And so Red, what you're speaking to is like, it becomes normalized. Like we don't even realize how, how prepared we are, how on guard we are, how so like how, we are, and the idea of soothing that feels dangerous. The but I-, I find that I get angry when I see people not doing that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just like, you're not even watching around yourself. Like, you don't even know like what's happening. Like, you didn't even see that car. Like, yeah, <laughs> I get frustrated when I see people not in that heightened sense. That's what so like as you're saying this is really making me think about that. And you know, I- I'm I'm thinking. Oh, Um, I want to go into 
this idea of of experiencing experiencing empathy um as an empath as a non-empath but experiencing empathy and how what do you do with it be i'm I, my, i'm using and is it all it, in the words how it doesn't have to be a negative as far as how you're describing you know a lot of people use it or experience it right um I always think of this one um, particular um, instance um, when I when I lived in New York some years back, but this is the first time I really really like it's like oh my god I I am literally becoming this person I'm observing. Yes, mm. I was on the train and it was a young man. Um, I'm gonna guess I'm gonna give him a hot 18, 19, very petite young man, and I had never seen someone look so sad. And the Jack, mm. he was maybe a student. Like I almost fear for his safety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So small on this train. It's a packed fucking train, and everyone is ignored. I could not ignore him. Mm. But it, it, but the more and more, and I, I couldn't turn away from him either. It was almost a spectacle how depleted this human being was in this particular moment in his life. Like I feared mm. that he. Run in front of the train, like get off the train. Like it was, it looked. I felt like I was, I was, I was entering his brain, and I was slowly becoming him. I almost wound up taking his posture, Uh you know. And I got off before him. I didn't have enough courage to say, "Are you okay?" Because I was so thrown by the experience of experiencing him. Exactly. Yeah. You know. And I and I so I think back to this. Like how how would if that was if to go back in time, how could I, how could I have handled that differently or if at all? I don't know. So my first encouragement would be because part of what you're describing is that checking out of ourselves to mm-hmm. be aware. It's kind of like if we, if it was like, if we could um, make it physical, right? So it's like you kind of like, do, 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 and then you go and land in someone else's body to feel out what's happening there. Right. It can happen emotionally, but that sounds like it was a physical experience. <sighs> right. So there, yeah. there, there I wonder the- if he was a, if he was a, a saint, like if he was a, some sort of spiritual, you know, I want to, <laughs> 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 you know, like, was, <laughs> was he here for me or am I here for him? You know, like, cause it seemed like, it seemed like everyone agreed out. No one was paying mm-hmm. any mind. Like, how can y'all not pay mind to this, to what, how do y'all not see this? Yeah. It's like, Someone get shot and not do anything. Yeah. So the practice that I would encourage in those kinds of situations is to ground first in your body. Stay in your body. Breathe. Connect to your breath. Feel your feet on the ground. Feel your butt in the seat. Stay in your body and then see what you can sense from the inside out. See what you feel, what you witness in him so that you don't have to check out, but you can stay grounded. And that's the practice. If you've been used to being so out, out externally focused to be aware of the world around you that you kind of aren't aware of what's also happening in your own body, that the practice is to start with your own body and then be aware. Because then from that place, you're grounded and you can say to him, hey, what do you need? I'm here, you know, you, I'm just checking on you and I noticed that something was going on. You're here, but if you've already gone in there, you, you're you so disassociated, you're oh so gosh, checked you're right. out, you oh can't gosh. actually be of service mm-hmm. to him. You. You can't actually help him. And you, I couldn't. You couldn't. No, you were par- you were paralyzed because you weren't present. You weren't in. You you were in him. 
Mm -hmm. So when you come back in you, then you have all of your awareness. You still have the sensory awareness of what's happening with him, but you also have your own brain. You also have your own body. You also have your own breath so that you can use your own resources to be of service. I'm almost reliving it. I'm reliving it the way you're telling it. Like if I would have done it different. Yeah. I can imagine if I was grounded that I can have a, I can have a certain distance from it. Exactly. More of an observation and then I can get more pragmatic and how do I deal with what I'm observing as opposed to experiencing it with him. But Lord. And that, Hanifa, is how your sensitivities become your superpowers. That's exactly it. Because when you are grounded, when you are aligned, when you're owning your body, you still have access to all that non-physical information, right? You can still sense his sadness, but you don't absorb it. You don't take it on. You don't internalize it. You don't lower your energy to meet him. That's where you can just still stay in your energy and be a guide for him. Ooh. That's that's amazing. Thank you. That was really healing because that's mm-hmm. it's one of those vivid memories that always stay with you. Yeah. I've never, yeah. 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 Can you talk a little um, just before we we move forward some about you? You spoke about like how you protect yourself. So like I'm in education. I'm around children, and children are manic inside of their personal experiences, especially teenagers. Mm-hmm. Like they are having so many experiences and so many times and then they're all in the room together and I'm like, whoo, okay, lesson one. Right. <laughs> um, but a lot of times like I leave the day with all of their stuff. Yes. Like on me. So how do you protect yourself, especially when you have to go into spaces that are filled with a lot of people's energies. So bef- I, I can, I'll speak to my own personal experience, but I'm also curious when you are like at the end of the day, when you feel your energy lower, where do you notice it? Do you notice it in your physical body, in your emotional body, in your energetic body? Like wh- how does it impact you most? And that would shape my answer for you specifically. Um, I don't know. I know that like for a minute, I just have to sit in my room in silence, like not even like I can't at the end of the day, just like go out and talk to other people and try to like, I just, once the bell rings, I'm just like, huh. Yeah. (laughs) So the first thing I would do is, is similar to the, what Hanifa was saying on the, about the subway. My first, well, before we even go there, my first encouragement is to start out kind of pre-paving your, your school experience before you even get to school. So Mm. I would start with like, a meditation practice, a ground, go outside, touch some things that are alive with roots in the ground, touch some trees, like really get your energy filled, 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 like fill up on your own energy first. So that by the, like more than functional, but like really nourish yourself, drink, hydrate, like really fill up on all of the things that you need so that when you go there, your energy is high, 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 and not not necessarily in relation to them, but that you come in so full of red that, yeah. that you don't, it's not, they don't have, you have more just inside of you. So that would be my first encouragement. And then like for me as a physical empath, I'm very physically affected by my environment. So I, mm-hmm. if I'm going somewhere that I know, like if I'm traveling, if I'm flying, if I'm going to be around a crowd, I always cover my head. 
which mm-hmm. keeps my energy contained, right? Mm-hmm. I always, that is like, and it makes the biggest difference. I have a, um, when I'm traveling, I have like a lamb's wool cover, seat cover that I sit on, on buses, on trains, on airplanes. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm like. Oh, you know, can't mess with your girl. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Because I'm like, my energy is more important than what I look like. You know what I mean? What you, how you interpret my like whole get up. I'm like, yeah. I have to like, because I can't, otherwise I am tossed about. Like I'm, I am just like so mm. at the whim of the world. So that's what I would encourage. And then read what you're saying after your class, take those moments to decompress, to hydrate, to stretch. But also throughout the day, check in, are you breathing? Connect with your breath, connect with your awareness, feel your feet on the floor, stay in your body. Because, because all that energy that's around you can draw you out so easily. So just keep reconnecting, keep centering, keep grounding. And from that place, you'll be much more aligned and present to be able to connect with them. Okay, I, I, I think this can actually roll into um, a letter, um, into the letter section, uh, because uh, it's, it's going to be a nice little transition. But at first, I just want to just make a couple of announcements, um, beautiful people. So we're going to be starting a new segment um, of the show where we give, we highlight um, queer um, artists um, out there that's both musically, um, visual um, artists, if you're doing something in theater. If you have an Instagram, please um, tag us or DM us um, on our Instagram and let us know about what you're doing out there. And if we like your shit, <laughs> we're cool your shit. I want to I just, I want to back up and, re- and highlight that. Now, yes, we want to support our young queer, or just queer artists in general. Okay, but we also are artists, so we're gonna be a bit picky, with <laughs> just a bit, and you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? So, like, and, and listen, if you make trap music, I was like, don't don't think what you think we're gonna like. We mm. are enough of artists to to know whatever your steez is. We can respect the artistry in it, but we also know levels of sophistication. How long you been doing it? You know what I'm saying? If you're doing it, it consistently, it it shows in what you put out in the world. So if you feel you have put something out in the world that you want others to know about and you want to use our platform to do so, you better holler at us. Mm-hmm. Don't be scared. Yes. <laughs> and trust me, I love giving advice. So even if we do not use your work, I will give you a couple of two lines of advice. You can take it or leave it. <laughs> Well, we won't leave you empty-handed. Yeah. We want to connect with young queer artists and use this platform um, to get your work out there. So if you got the music, you got the work, do it. Let's do it. Holler at us at your gay aunties on um, Instagram. DM us, please, or tag us on whatever post. Say, hey, aunties, you need to you know, hear about my friend. This is her joint. This is his joint. Blah, blah, blah. Okay? And of course, you know, if you have, um, you need advice about your messy queer life or even queer <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Your your co-working situation, you know, a lot, you know, a lot of things go on that makes you know life and all that. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes you just don't know how to navigate it. You got your hands up in the air and or you're listening to your friends and you're just going in circles and you're repeating and doing the same stuff. That's what we're here for. Maybe to give that little bit of perspective you you haven't quite received yet in life that makes you say, ah, I won't do that again. <laughs> there I go. Won't do that again. All right. You can holler at that. You're gay, auntie. <laughs> at gmail.com. 
All right. So <laughs> so I had to put that modifier there, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay, with the, with the queer artist thing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All right, all right. <laughs> Maybe we can do a little um a little voice thing where we actually give critique if y'all want to hear it, you know. Ooh. We'll see. We'll see what we get first. All right, y'all. Either way, we want to send y'all love. So, you know, holla at us with that. All right. So we're gonna go into a couple of letters. And um this first letter, um, I'll read and maybe Red, you can read the second letter. Okay. Um, but this this letter's a continuation because it is specific to um to to Lauren, hold on. Um, and she doesn't say to hide her name or not. So we'll just call her T just by default. Mm-hmm. Just reminder, guys, if you do not want us to say your name, um, tell us so. Because if you don't say anything by default, we're just going to give you a, a, a pseudonym. All right. But if you want us to say your name in all its glory, let us know that as well. Um, so I'm just going to read this real quick. Um, um, okay. All right. It, it wasn't until a few years ago when I first encountered um, someone who was Black that identified as an empath. When I first allowed myself to dive into my own spiritual journey outside the Christian church, um, many of the people I came across were pretty much all white. That has changed dramatically for me, though, which brings me to my question. I am in the process of starting a group for people to discuss spiritual and other life topics that they may not feel safe discussing elsewhere, Um, energy healing, um, what it means to be an empath, et cetera. Um, What has helped you to step boldly into your truth to help the courage, uh, to have the courage to share the things you do? Much love, T. And that's for you, Larry. Hmm. Well, I would, I want to just start by saying I was born bold. I I am, I was born pretty audacious. I, so I don't have that kind of um, challenge that hasn't been my challenge, but, but as I keep stepping more and more out, 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 out uh, more, what I think helps me the most is living it is living my truth mm-hmm. and then being able to speak about the life I'm living as opposed to having it be theoretical or this kind of like off, like in the distance goal. I'm like, who am I and how can I be more authentically me? How can I be more myself? How can I tell my truth all of the time? And so part of is, if, I don't know if this person identifies as an empath or not, but part of what we're taught when we're as kids, especially doing this like awareness, is care is caretaking other people often at our own um, debt to our own detriment, and mm-hmm. so what yeah. I learned as a child, for example, was like keeping up appearances. Everything had to be polished. Everything had to be in a nice bow. Everything had to be like da 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 da. And I couldn't actually tell my truth. My truth was ga- I have a narcissistic parent, and so my my truth was very much gaslit and dismissed and ignored and minimized. And so even though I was bold and audacious. I was constantly met with this like uh, dismissal of what I knew was true, a right? Resistance, right? A resistance, right? And so I, that's why I made I was more bold and more audacious. But it took its toll. So I say all that to say, do you if you aren't living what you're teaching or what you're creating sacrum a ceremony around or what you're creating safe space around, it's going. There's going to be always a contradiction. And so if you're doing it, then you can speak from your own experience, and that's what helps people feel safe. Not that you read it in a book or all these other things, but that you are living it, and you can say, you know, when I did this energy healing on myself, this is the experience. 
this is what I learned. This is what I'm doing. You know, so that that's my encouragement that you got to live what you're speaking about. Otherwise, it's just theory. Uh, okay. Yeah. And that can apply to so, so much because, you know, when you're young, well, and you're, if you're privileged enough to go to college or some sort of higher learning and, and you're still at a very impressionable age, you a lot of times identify as the theory, but haven't had an opportunity yes. to practice what you how you identify, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And I'm saying identify generally, it can be feminist, it can be activist, it can be whatever, however, whatever, however you want to identify, you totally. know, ABC, whatever, right? And so this is, that's how, when you're speaking this, this is something I think me and Red have repeated over and over, you know, live it how you love it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Um, and, you know, saying you are and being who you are are two different things, you know, and part, I think part of becoming who you are or being grown, if you will, is that practice of one, finding out, you know, what you what what best mirrors you in life, you know, like what you uh, connect with, simply put. Mm-hmm. Then there's the practice of becoming that thing yes. through. And that is an up and down, up and down, merry-go-round of a process. Sometimes you're like, where am I now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so I'm so glad that you said that because that, that just fortifies something that we've kind of been an ongoing thing. It's like, you, I want, that's why, like, when you get older, Sometimes you're like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to hear that yang yang. What you doing though? But what you doing? 100%. That's all I care about. Word. Yeah. Yeah. Word. What, what's your story? I, I don't want to hear, I want all that label. Like, cool, honey, if that, yeah, baby, you like it, I love it. Right. But that shit don't got nothing to do with nothing. <laughs> Unless you're living it. Unless you're living it. That's it. For yourself. Yes. And that's the other thing. Like, you know, I started out doing my work over 20 years ago at Spelman with women's circles in the women's center, right? I've been doing this work for decades, but, but I never positioned myself as the authority. And I think that's in the especially in the beginning. And I think that's important too. Like you speak from your own experience that makes you the authority of your own experience. But if you're starting these circles, you don't have to be there forever and ever lifetime teacher of like, you don't have to be the authority of what you're talking about. You can just say, this is my experience. What's your experience? Let's do this together. Let's talk about this. Let's have a conversation. And then it becomes a community as opposed to this like hierarchy of authority. Then you don't even have to worry about with their experiences because they can say, I have church hurt and I grew up in the Baptist church da, 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 and I'm scared of this. And you can be like, okay, I got it. And you can hold space for their experience as opposed to needing to dominate it or dictate it. So I do have a question around that because especially looking at the letter, she's, um, T is trying to create these spaces, right? To have what, what feels like emotionally heavy or difficult conversations. Um, how do you in those spaces in those spaces open up something very heavy if you're not necessarily qualified or even there to heal any of it or or close it back out <laughs> so if you, you do create a space where people are opening up in that way then what are some ways that you can kind of make sure that people are in safe space when by the time they leave that's such an important question for me it's always been So I grew up in the AME church, which Mm -hmm. is African Methodist Episcopalian. Now, I didn't really learn a lot about spirituality. There was not a lot of real, you know, discussions (laughs) about anything. (laughs) But but what I loved about it was the Methodist part. And because for Methodist meant 
we had a method, there was a methodology, methodology, right? We did the same way every Sunday. We began, we did the middle, the end. It was a ritual every Sunday. I knew how it was gonna begin. I knew what the words we were gonna say. I knew the songs we were gonna sing. And so it taught me how to create a sacred container for healing and transformation. And so what I would encourage this person T to do is you've got to figure out how you're going to create a sacred container. How are you going to open it? How are you going to ritualize it? How are you going to make people feel safe? How are you going to listen? Like, how are you not going to make it about you? How are you, which requires skill, right? You have to learn. I've taken, I have so many trainings and certifications and workshops. I have, I have done this work for a long time, partially naturally and partially because I learned. And so I think Red, what you're speaking to, it can be very dangerous if you are creating these conversations because trauma is going to come up, right? And if you're not equipped, it can be even more traumatizing. So I would encourage you to learn how to hold space for people, learn how to have conversations that are uncomfortable, but also learn how to not, how to like transition out of conversations you're not equipped to have. Maybe bring in therapists to be there in the space. Maybe like figure out different ways to to reinforce the space so that you're not holding it all if you don't have the skill set to hold it all. But I would also think about ritual. I'd like even when I do a workshop, I open the same way, do the middle close the same way for 20 years. And it can evolve, you know, evolves over time, but it's a way that people always feel seen and held and closure. Cause you don't want people walking home feeling exposed and raw and wide open. Yeah. And, and cause that's irresponsible as a leader and a facilitator. Woo. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, <laughs> and you know, um, this is, um, I want to get into our second letter, but this is a transition cause I wanted to do a shout out um, because we did get another letter, but we, or at least I felt that we were ill-equipped to answer it. Mm. And it was a letter from um, a young woman in South Africa and and navigating things that were very specific to um, South Africa as far as the violence and mm. just kind of just navigated in a in a in a really logistical like safety, um, emotional safety, physical safety way. And I was like, I don't know if me and Red can honestly answer that. I've been there maybe a couple of times. But just, you know, kind of echoing what you're saying here, but we do know a chick. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So got, got our friend Tokozani, who, who is an activist who works with queer uh, folks in, um, in Joburg. We got them. We had them connect behind the, um, behind the scenes and, you know, maybe actually might bring Tokozani um, on here in the future to talk about what is specifically happening um, for queer folks out there um, in South Africa. But I felt blessed one to have known her and had some sort of resource so we were somewhat prepared because I know we're going to get letters that we are ill-equipped. I know we get, you know, disclaimers, look, we're not just psychologists. We are, we don't have any degrees on the wall. This is just your aunties. But still, there are some things that people are going through that if we have the resources, we want to make sure y'all connected. Yeah. So I want to thank um, um, Tokazani um, and Dada to, you know, just, just for being that person and reaching out to um, this um, young woman and making sure that she's held down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, if you're going to do it, make sure that you're prepared to do it or you oh. have people who can do it when you're when you're not prepared. Yes, totally. <laughs> That's the most important part. When you talk yeah. about healing, you have to, you, you don't try and carry it all, you know, like yeah. bring in your backups or resources or everyone, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, because then you don't want to open up the space and now the rest of your day is all heavy with everything that everybody brought up too. 
Hello. So that's another. Yeah, you got to close it out for yourself as well. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'll be like that child I saw on the train, honey. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> we're just all um, nodding our heads like, yes. yeah yeah I, mean, I don't even have a descriptive um but um all right so let's go so let's um maybe read you can read the next letter okay <laughs> gosh okay um is this <laughs> uh, oh it's um yeah it's um uh, la, 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 la. Oh, I found it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and it has a follow-up. Okay, so and yeah. you're welcome to to join. Nerd, Nerd Bobo. Say it again. That that's the name that he or she wants to go by. Nerd Bobo. Oh, Nerd Bobo. Just, thank you, your girl, Nerd Bobo. So Nerd Bobo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Auntie. Bobo. This is going Bobo, honey. Okay. <laughs> Thoughts on dating someone in your friend group? Um, so thoughts on dating someone in your friend group that's your friend's sister. <laughs> Wait, I'm, okay, so we've been on three platonic dates, meaning we went out and had a great time and hugged goodbye. But with the knowledge these are dates, but heavy on the friendship part. <laughs> Next, I'm not sure if she's into me, but she wouldn't show up if she wasn't, right? No. She told me. <laughs> <laughs> she told one of our other friends. <laughs> she told one of our other friends that she finds me cute. But I find a lot of people cute. Those are fluff words. After that, is this a good idea? Um, I hate having talks, but I feel like now is definitely time to talk. What should we talk about? How should I approach this? I'm used to dating someone who wants me immediately back. <laughs> like, we both know what's up and what's eventually going to happen. Mutual, but touching. <laughs> I do, though, see her as a friend and would never want to overstep nor make her feel like I'm preying on her. I don't know. I feel dumb and too old for this, um, but I'm not above a middle school gesture. Help. <laughs> and there is a follow-up. Should I just slow my roll and enjoy this for what it is and see what happens? Why rush and also play the field, etc. Yes. That one. Yes. That's it. That's the answer. That's it right there. You answered your own question. You your own yes. question. <laughs> okay, so just to kind of recap, we have um a person that's very close, like um Oh, see, and I, I missed this part. The friend sister is mostly straight. <laughs> no, ma'am. Nope. 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 Okay. Okay. So I thought the, the top part was just kind of like the. I'm not the straight girl basher, though. I'm going to leave it. I thought the top part was just kind of like the title part, but she. <laughs> uh, what is it? Uh, Nerd Bobo did have a, a little line saying that the friend is mostly straight. I don't I don't know where where mostly lies on the spectrum. Uh, <laughs> does that mean that you know in particular that the friend has dated uh, women before? 
Um, also, uh, uh, what is the what's the agreement when you all are making these dates that you're going on? Like, is it just I'm hungry, you hungry? Let's eat. Why <laughs> is it? Um, I'd like to take you out on Friday, right? <laughs> so that's a a little. And not only I like to take you out, obviously, you know, I like to, what, I mean, what, how are you, how are you proposing this? I want to take you out. We don't got to kiss or nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because it, it seems like there's this understanding or you said it always ends in hugs or like, I'm, I'm trying to understand what the intent is when asking at the point of asking what page are you both on? Yeah. Or are you the one that's, that's, that's flipping through all the pages and you get, you own the book. <laughs> Leave middle school gestures in middle school. What? You are grown. No, what you all said, have a direct conversation, have a direct communication. And and I'm, I won't go into straight girl bashing either, but if people identify, okay. <laughs> they got to know, they got to learn. If you identify as, if someone identifies as straight, they identify as straight. You don't have to convince them. You shouldn't have to be razzle dazzling. You shouldn't have to be tap dancing, whether they identify as straight or queer or anywhere. If you if someone is interested in you, you should know it. And if you don't know, you should ask and then move on. So my the P.S. of the question is, I think the person answered their own question. Ask. But if but keep playing the field, keep your options open. But I wouldn't put all your eggs in this basket. Why do y'all keep <laughs> giving your energy to people who are not giving you en giving energy back? Period. End of fucking day. I don't care if you straight, gay, queer, upside down, got a foot growing out your ass. If you show someone, if you show someone, I know that's probably what we're going to talk about. If you actually show someone and let someone know that you were attracted to them and they ain't reflecting that back in a visible degree, like, oh, you, like you're nodding yes. Right, right. <laughs> you know, you're actually saying, yes, I want to go out with you, hell yeah. I say just dead it. Yeah. Dead it. If they give you vague answers, dead, dead it. Dead it, that's it. Vague or no answer, dead it. Because mm. you deserve better. You deserve clarity. And you deserve to be able to dead a motherfucker as early as possible before you start um, putting your hooks into somebody That's it. unjustifiably. And then you wonder why this, this straight girl, whoever girl or whatever person is dragging you around and you start hating on them because they ain't giving you what they want. They gave you with the silence. They gave you it with a no. They gave you with I'm mostly straight. They gave you with it. I'm over here kissing this dude. You see this? <laughs> I mean, like, what? I mean, what else you want? Why do y'all keep fucking all these people? And nothing's wrong with a friend date. Like, if y'all are friends, be friends. <laughs> don't be in the mamby pamby, the like, gray area that we don't know what's happening. No, I, I like clarity. Man, that's exhausting. Y'all are saying that these things never like evolve into later. Like one day you just turn around and say. You want to do the work. If you want to do all that work, I loved you like I do, baby. <laughs> I mean, that can happen, but that still requires direct communication. This sounds like they're trying to read between the lines, which is exhausting. Oh my god! Like this, it's like life isn't really not a movie. Well, well honestly, today, two thousand nineteen feels like a freaking movie, like a reality show. But like, <laughs> <in> general, <laughs> it's not a movie. 
Okay, people usually are straightforward. Yeah. And when they beg, that's another form of being straightforward. Mm. You know? and maybe you might say, okay, maybe you can maybe give someone a pass. Maybe if you feel that in general, they're shy and they don't know how to articulate back to you. Maybe, you know, I get on, on occasion. But most people, at the very least, if they're attracted to you, at least their eyes will get wider. Look at the body language. If they can't voice it, their body language will tell you if they are interested. You know what I mean? One of the two is going to happen. And quite honestly, I'm, I'm hardcore. Sometimes some people are either, and I've heard this, intimidated by me, why I have no fucking idea. But, and so when there's an interaction, their body language is closed down mm. or they're quieted. I'm going to let y'all know right now, that's a turnoff. Mm. I'll, wait, I'll wait until you grow the fuck up and can have a conversation and then maybe we can kick it. But being coy and shy, I'm not going to coddle you. No. Because your mom, I'm not going to coddle you because you think I'm intimidated. You think that's sexy? Someone thinking I'm intimidated. I want to go on a date. I don't need somebody who's intimidated. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? So, that, so the rules still apply. Even if they're nice people, even if they are, in fact, queer, even if they are, in fact, attracted to you. But are y'all on the same page right now? Enough to keep moving forward. In other words, even if, if they give you. If they don't give you the signs you need and it feels unclear, it's on you to say, do I want to do the work to get the answer? A clear answer. Me personally, hell the motherfucker. No. Ah. I do not. Yeah, that's not sexy. No. And so, like, I have to think about my own life, right? So I have, no, no, no. I have a lot of, like, concerning. no, I have a lot of, um, like mass, I had, I don't like have a whole lot anymore, <laughs> but I had like a whole lot of like masculine identified friends. Right. Um, and you know, we've talked about this before when I came into the community, I didn't know that there were like rules like that. It was set up kind of like the, um, the heteronormative type of way that like, I was supposed to have like feminine friends and I was, you know, <laughs> I was supposed to date masculine people. Um, I, just loved everybody. I was so excited to to meet all of these amazing, like brilliant, talented people. And I wanted to go like hang out with everybody. And I know like later in my like wide-eyed, like, oh my God, you're so amazing. Like we had so much fun at, at coffee, you know. <laughs> I like there were plenty of times where I was just like, oh, we're hanging out, like we're we're friends. And people were like, yeah, well, when we went on our date, like you weren't really giving me like any, like, uh-uh. and I was like, date? <laughs> well, just speak on it. Cause there's a, you're right. There's a flip side of that. Yeah. And so like, I get that, especially young people, like we're always in hangout mode. Like we're always yeah. in get, get together and kick back and like all of that type of thing. Like the social part of creating community is, is very, very important at that age. And so when you can't feel safe to like go out and hang out with people without it having to be like clearly articulated and identified okay so listen i just want you to know that i'm willing to go and have coffee with you but i don't want you to feel like this is the data that i'm romantically interested in you like nobody who i don't know i mean you don't gotta sound that you know i ain't trying to say you know you know be academic with it but may and maybe you're right maybe we are coming maybe we are to a degree to a degree coming from an adult perspective where we have little to no tolerance for the vagueness and uh, 
it's like that stuff is unattractive to most adults, you know, shyness and all of that, unless you're as shy yourself, it's really kind of unattractive. It's not really, you know, or that kind of like, you ain't telling me, but you telling me type mm-hmm. of crap. That's for me, that is it's juvenile, but, but you're right. 20s, In I didn't context, know what I liked or who I liked or like, I was, you know, I just found out last week that I went on a date like seven years ago that I didn't even think was a date. I found out through a third party that was like, you went on that date with so-and-so and I was, and, and you didn't like them. And I was like, I, I to this day didn't know that was a date. Like I just thought we were having coffee or having Mexican food. I remember hanging out, but I wasn't like, I had no idea that this is supposed to be like a romantic thing. So and then the whole lore around the outing was like that I was throwing shit, not shade, but I was like cold and distant and all this, not cold, but like disengaged. Like I wasn't flirting, but I'm not a flirty person. Like that's mm-hmm. not how I'm going to show up. So if you want to, ha- I need to know if we're on a date or if we're, cause I also have a lot of masculine presenting friends. I have a lot of people who are all kinds of different gender expressions. So like who I like hanging out with as friends. I don't need everything to have a romantic undertone, but if you like me, I need to know you like me. Otherwise I'm going to act like you're my friend. Cause that's why I'm there. <laughs> and on the flip side, what's so funny. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up because I found out many years later that I was hitting on somebody <laughs> that I didn't know that I was hitting on. Like I was in town, like, you know, remember when I was touring, I'm in all of these cities. So I'm like, oh, hey person, I'm yeah. in your city. Like I'm staying at the Blasey Blah, like come hang out. And oh. it was kind of like, Red was trying to get me to come to her hotel room. And oh, I just thought, oh, <laughs> <you know. laughs> And I do not remember that. Like, I, I don't remember, like, I remember like going to that particular city. Right. It's it sounds logical to me that if I were going to this person's city that I would reach out, like, hey, I'm in your city. But like I definitely don't remember it being like a hey, come on by my hotel room. Like also, Ray, you're a Scorpio. You know, like you're not real subtle. If you from my experience, if you know if you like somebody. You know you like somebody. It wouldn't and be they in, know. In this, and they know exactly. Okay. The, okay. So this is, you know, when we get these kind of letters, you know, I, I'm I'm usually, you know, the first one to d- defend the in most cases masculine of center or whatever, you know, individuals who in most cases is them who are trying to seek out the affection of someone else who is not really reciprocated. You know, and I'm like, leave them straight girls alone. You know, you know, straight girls, Jason girls leave them alone. alone. For real, do leave them alone. Yeah, yeah, do leave them alone. I mean, on on the real, you know, they straight up straight, then straight up leave them alone. Hello. Yes. Okay. If someone but, had left me alone, yeah, you ain't straight. <laughs> I didn't know until I knew. Somebody had to take a chance so on that's, me, girl. That's a good point. If you were willing to do the work, right? You didn't need, or, to, you you need something to in her that you don't see yet. Thanks, first bae. <laughs> <laughs> but on the flip, and Red had, and Red has pointed this out a couple of times from prior letters. Y'all, mass, you know what? Just people, whoever you were attracted to, if you the one who's gonna be making the move, 
that you need to be clear in the move that you make. Yes. Mm. That's a part of your sense of grownness. If you are the, the one who is the more aggressor or you, you're more prone to ask this person out or whatever, then you need to actually ask them out. You know, just don't say we want you want to hang out. Say, hey, I want to take you out to dinner. Yeah. Or whatever, whatever y'all do, whatever age. But make it make sure whatever that thing is, she's clear that that's a date. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That that's a date. And that that is onus is on you because, and I think we talked about this like a couple of episodes ago. Folks who folks who are more of the aggressive sometimes can create a complete have a whole narrative going on in your head, and you ain't even talked to homegirl yet. But y'all got the story, the, the beginning, the middle, and the end mm. already. And y'all flowing with that, <laughs> not in reality, because you actually haven't had a clear conversation with whoever you're attracted to, so you can get a clear answer. Mm. So it's on both sides, just saying. Yay! Yay. <laughs> Why are you making that face? I am so excited about this. Listen, y'all, just in general, and what is these letters? If someone's not giving you energy and you have not been clear on the energy that you want to receive, yes, just dead it, yo. You're wasting your time. You're, you're probably going to run into heartache because we're human beings. And back to our original conversation about just being empathetic, you know, as human beings, we can hook into someone that we're interested in, even though they haven't reciprocated. Yeah. Because we're working this narrative, this story in our head that is feeding these emotions that's making us feel good even though it's actually not happening in reality you know what i mean and then when that person rejects you or at some point gets really clear in rejecting you or or just or honestly just straggles you along <laughs> which is another kind of abuse <laughs> that you're allowing <laughs> all this can be avoided if you set boundaries yeah. if you're really clear this is my method I'm attracted to someone. I'm going to clearly let them know that. I'm going to clearly do an action where we, a call to action where we go out somewhere and they're clear on what that is. They even gonna say yay or nay. If they say, man, I don't know, uh, then walk the fuck away. Right. But until they ready, let them talk to you. What, what you're speaking to, Hanifa, requires vulnerability, which people are very uncomfortable with. So it's like, you gotta get comfortable with someone saying thanks, but no thanks or yes, or speaking about your emotions. Like that's on you. You got to take responsibility for your own willingness to be vulnerable. And then the world opens up to you. But if you're like, I'm trying to hint around and just hope you get the message, that's not fair to anyone. And you're not going to actually get what you want because you're putting the onus and the responsibility on someone else. And the quicker the rejection, the better. Yeah. It's like no, seriously, no, seriously. Yeah. If you keep holding on, then it's going to hurt. When she's like, listen, I told you I don't want you, nigga. Like, mm. but listen, I, I've been rejected and I think I'm a quite handsome woman. Yes, yes. But when the rejection has, I just, I just flash that smile. It's like, sweetie, then you be beautiful. You stay beautiful. And I, and I pivot and exit and move off my ass out of there. I ain't hurt. I just keep it dancing because I have a sense of self. I mean, I have my vulnerabilities and there's things I'm sensitive about, but it ain't my fucking looks. Right. I'm just saying, you got to find what your strength is. And when you get rejected, you lean on that to get the fuck out of there as soon as possible and leave her with a good impression of you. Don't get mad. Don't be like these scraggly real That's niggas it. out That's here. That's it. Don't get mad or, or feel dejected and have that fuck up your night. Mm -hmm. put that on. That's, that's now you're, you're carrying that around and that's messing with your sense of, of self. No, no, no. Get it, get it rip the bandaid band off nice and early. I think I find you attractive. Yo, can we spend some time outside of this, this loud ass club? 
yay or nay. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, so we know that, that the children are going through lots of, of exciting things in this life. And, and we're here for you, children. We want you to be able to... to uh, come to your aunties and talk about those things and, and get some clarity and get some feedback on them. And so again, as, as Auntie Hanifa said, we're at yourgayaunties at gmail.com whenever you want to send us a little letter and get some, some feedback on it. Uh, we also are on IG at yourgayaunties and Twitter mm, on yourgayaunties as well. And so we are expanding all the ways that you can reach out to us um, so that you can get that feedback that you need. We also have wonderful guests who will be joining us. We have Stacey Ann Chen as our next Sunday brunch uh, guest. So make sure that you go ahead and sign up um, to be one of our Patreon sponsors so that you can uh, participate in that because we want you to be there with us on our Sunday brunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we want to thank our guest today, Lauren Alta, empath healer of the healers. Yes. <laughs> thank you. And, um, yes. And if you want to know more about um, Lauren Alta, just go to LaurenAlta.com. That's L-E-R-I-N-A-L-T-A dot um, com. Is there anything coming up you want folks to know before we bounce? Oh, you know, find me on Instagram, too. It's my favorite place to hang out on the interwebs, and then you'll know all the good stuff that's happening. And where can they find you on Instagram? LarenAlta.com. All right, or, so your Laren name? Alta, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lara. Thank you for Thank rolling you. with today. Thanks for having me. Love you both so much. Thank you for the work that you're doing and helping all the children. Yes, yes, yes. That's what we are here for. Yes, and we love you, and we're so happy that you were able to join us. Thank you for making it happen. Yes, and with that, I am Red Summer. And I am Hanifa Walida. And we are your gay aunties. Bye, babies. Bye, darlings.